0: On today's episode of the Real Foodology podcast,
1: I think at the end of the day it's a simple question that I would encourage everybody to ask themselves, which is does your body enable you to do everything you want to do? And if it does, f and high five. Like that's awesome. Good. Please go help other people achieve the same thing. If it doesn't, let's you deserve better. Period.
0: Hi everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Foodology podcast. I'm Courtney Swan, your host. If you're new here, I am a nutritionist with my master's of science in nutrition and integrative health. My mission with Real Foodology is really simple. I just want everyone to feel really good in their bodies. So every week I aim to share information that maybe you have not heard elsewhere that could really help you in bettering your health and just feeling good in your body. That's my goal. If you have been listening to the podcast for a little while, you will probably recognize today's guest, Jonathan Baylor. He is the founder and CEO of the metabolic healing and diabetes treatment company called Sane Solution. He is also the producer and starred in the film Better. And he's also the author of the book, A Calorie Myth. If you have not listened to our other episode yet, all about diabetes, I highly recommend going back and listening to it. It is such a great conversation. And what I love so much about Jonathan is that he really brings compassion to a subject that is pretty hard to talk about. And well, today's subject is also pretty hard to talk about. I brought him back on today because I really wanted to talk about body positivity with him. And I wanted to hear him speak specifically to what he calls evidence-based body positivity, which is simply just combining science with love and self-acceptance. We really dive into the subject because we wanted to talk about what the body positivity movement has gotten wrong. And what I love so much about this evidence-based body positivity is that it allows individuals to love themselves so much that they choose to live better through proven science, practical habits, and powerful love. We eat, think, live, and move better with no shame and no starvation. According to Jonathan, the key with evidence-based body positivity is that individuals no longer have to choose between being shamed into an unhealthy skinny body or surrendering their body to the diseases of obesity and diabetes. They can both end body shame and diabetes. We do not have to choose between one or the other. And this is what I love so much about his message. Now, I like to sometimes give these disclaimers when I have a conversation that can be, of sensitive nature for some people. So I guess consider this a bit of a trigger warning. You know, Jonathan and I wanted to be very sensitive to this topic, and we spent a lot of time preparing for this episode. He and I spent um, a lot of hours on the phone going back and forth talking about this, emailing about it. We had Zoom calls because we really wanted to make sure that we we treaded this conversation um lightly and that we came from a place of love and compassion because really that is what is missing about this conversation is that there should not be shame there shouldn't be pointing of fingers and it's not about being right or wrong or good or bad it's simply just about following the facts and following the science while also naming that this is a very sensitive and emotional conversation you know, the topic of food and our bodies are just really sensitive conversations and they're pretty loaded and rightfully so. There's no denying that. So we just wanted to make sure that we brought a lot of love and compassion to this conversation. And I just wanted to say that before we went into the conversation. Our goal is for everyone to feel loved and accepted and we do not want anyone coming out of this conversation feeling shame whatsoever. So I just wanted to put that out there, and I really hope that you guys love this conversation. As always, you can reach out to me on Instagram if you have any questions or you have some feedback for me. My Instagram is at Real Foodology. I've got to admit, I'm not much of a snacker these days, but you know, sometimes I will get hungry in between a meal, and when I am, I'm looking for a really good, high-quality snack that's not only going to taste delicious, but actually keeps me full in between meals. And the way that I love to do that is with Paleo Valley's grass fed beef sticks. If you're not into beef, they also have pasture raised turkey sticks. I love these sticks, you guys. I take them on hikes with me, I leave a couple in my car for if I'm stuck in traffic or I'm running late. I have a nice little snack. I mean, I take these things everywhere with me and they're great for taking on flights on road trips. Kids love them. They're organic, high quality meats. There's no like preservatives or fillers in here. And they actually fill me up because they are just, you know, straight protein. The flavors are delicious. I can't speak highly enough of them. Now, if you're listening and you're like, ah, oh, I'm not really into meat sticks. I've got some friends that are like, oh, Courtney, I don't really like meat sticks. I'm like, great. They also have superfood bars and these are made with their bone broth protein. So you're going to get a ton of protein in there. They are super filling. They have really delicious flavors like apple cinnamon. They have a lemon. They also have dark chocolate chip and they have a limited edition pumpkin pie flavor, which I'm obsessed with. So if you can still get that, jump on that now. These make for a great snack. Like I said, for kids, for hikes, you name it. So make sure you go to paleovalley.com slash realfoodology and use code realfoodology and you are going to save 20%. And with that, let's get to the episode. Hey guys, Drake Peterson here, Courtney's producer.
1: There was a fantastic conversation that happened after the interview between Courtney and Jonathan Baylor. I really thought that you should listen to it. So I decided to put it in after
0: the health non-negotiable. So make sure you stick around uh, towards the end of the show so you can hear this amazing story. Thanks for listening to the Real Foodology Podcast. Sweet. Well, I am so excited to have Jonathan Baylor back on today. Do you guys remember I had him on a couple months ago on the podcast and it was such an amazing conversation that I wanted to bring him back to have more of a conversation around body positivity in particular. And what's so funny is, well, one, we were a little bit nervous to have this conversation like full disclosure. Because we want to be really sensitive. It's a very sensitive conversation. And we really want to bring compassion to this conversation. And both of us really care about health. You know, we want to reduce human suffering. And so that's why we feel like it's a really important conversation to have and this conversation has been a long time coming. We've tried to do this multiple times. We've had to reschedule. We've had all these conversations on the phone about it, really trying to just uh, make sure that we we knew what we were talking about and we wanted to bring compassion to it, like I said. So I'm very excited to have you on to talk about this. Finally, we connected. Thank
1: you, Courtney. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely great to be here. And I do think the universe had, had, a, had a plan for us here because, as you mentioned, we rescheduled this a couple of times. And the, uh, some things happened uh, between when we originally thought we were going to talk and since being rescheduled, and it's really changed, even you know what I thought I would bring to the show today. So can I tell you the story that yeah. changed my thinking about body positivity and this this evidence based body positivity that we've talked about previously?
0: I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, drop it on me. Let's go.
1: All right, cool, cool. So as you as you may or may not have seen, uh, I am the like official personal growth advisor to the Miss America organization because they're going through a, a complete overhaul of their brand and their competition. There's no swimsuit competition anymore. It's about performance, it's about empowering great women for the world and empowering the world for great women. And there was a lot of conversation about body positivity and then i was given the opportunity to help some of the candidates who are getting ready to compete on a nationally you know televised event in december uh, create some social media content and i was like okay so what is what is some great social media content we could create together <clears throat> maybe maybe around body positivity and i went on tiktok and i typed in body positivity the first 10 images i saw were of women in bathing suits Wow. They were just maybe the women you wouldn't traditionally think would post pictures of themselves in bathing suits, but they were still women in bathing suits. And in that moment, like this is just hand to God truth. I said, I, I got to take a step back here because if anyone thinks that I am telling Miss America competitors to post pictures of themselves in bathing suits on the internet to be body positive I'm done. Like, I, my career is over. I'm encouraging young women to post pictures of themselves almost naked on the internet. I can't do that. And what I then thought to myself is, well, interesting. So, at the end of the day, whether it's body positive or not body positive, it's still centering on appearance. And I said to myself, like, this, and this was the breakthrough. Like, why don't we just talk about performance, not about appearance? And let me give you a concrete example because we can we can have all sorts of debates about appearance, right? Does your body enable you to do what you want it to do? Th- that's yeah, sort of that's the question that, that's not debatable and that's that's nothing that would even upset anybody, right? like if if you want to walk up the stairs and you can't, you would love if your body, enabled you to walk up the stairs. If you wanted to play with your grandkids, but you can't pick them up because your back hurts so much, everyone would want their back to not hurt. So body positivity, I think there's a lot of great, there's a lot of goodness to it. But at the end of the day, if you think about it, it's still telling us that we should be focusing on our appearance
0: Yes, I'm so glad that you brought this up because this is something – this is why personally I have not been able to get behind this this new wave of body positivity. I really believe that it started out with great intentions because, you know, of course, we're trying to say F you to diet culture and yo-yo dieting and all of that that comes with it. But like you said, all we've done now is that we're just – we're still focusing on the weight. We've just now given it a whole new range that's now quote unquote acceptable. But where is the conversation about the health of your body? And this is what I say on this podcast all the time that for me personally, health means like, I want to feel good in my body. I want to be able to wake up with energy, show up to my life, be able to do do the things I want to do. I love being active every day. That to me is where true health comes from. And so why are we focusing so much on like the shape and the size of a body, no matter what the shape and size is, you know, like that, that, that should be like, why are we even focusing on that?
1: Exactly. And an, an analogy that I was using to, to try to explain this to the Miss America candidates was that of, let's look at an Olympic female figure skater. Let's look at an Olympic female shot putter. And let's look at an Olympic female basketball player. Their bodies are all very different. A great and point. the appearance of their body is completely irrelevant to their objectives at life. Like their bodies are there to enable them to be great. Period. So what, like, and if you think about it, this is like, it's, it's actually a really, it's misogynistic as hell. Even the, the concept of body positivity, like if you really think about it, because guys don't really talk about body positivity. They don't really talk about being positive because men aren't evaluated based on their appearance. The more attention we're giving to body positivity, the more we are ingraining right? I have two little girls. I do not want them to focus their lives on how they look, period. I do want them to focus their lives on achieving that which they want out of life, which is performance, not appearance. So just let's just shift the conversation. That's what that's that's what evidence-based body positivity is. How do we enable our bodies to lead to a positive life for us?
0: I love that. Yeah, and then, you know, and I was thinking about this as you were saying it, like, why are we not focusing on how you feel? And let's look at lab work instead, because I've said this all the time with health, like, I can't really look at someone and and give anything, any indication about their health. Obviously, past a certain point, if you're carrying a lot of extra body fat, that the science shows that that's not going to be healthy for us. But outside of that, like I want to see people's blood work. So why are we not talking about the inside? Because health comes from the inside, not the outside. I can't look at you and be like, oh yeah, you just look like totally healthy to me. I would love to see blood work to really see where you're at. And then again, the, indi- the indication spot should be how do you feel in your body and are you able to do the things that you want to do.
1: And that indication spot to me is key because I think even, even health to me has become a word almost like electrolytes. Like p- People use it. They're like, electrolytes are good. No one really knows what electrolytes are. They put them in sports drinks. People, so It's like, are, are you healthy? Well, let's define that in a way that I think is practical to people. Are you able to do what you want to do? Because like let's say you're a professional sumo wrestler. Let's say the way you provide for your family is by sumo wrestling. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> right you're you're going to yeah. want a different body than if the way you provide for your family is by sitting at a computer terminal for 16 hours a day. Yeah. You you so it's it's really cuz even I don't know for me this is a not not just for me I know for a lot of people this is a deeply emotional issue. And when we start talking about things like lab work and so on and so forth, I, I think, especially for me, cause I'm a scientist, and I'm an engineer, I'll geek out and it's, we start to have a logical conversation about an emotional issue. Mm. And I think we can all get behind, does your body enable you or not? Yeah. If it enables you, awesome, keep going. If not, You deserve better.
0: Period. Well, and you know, you brought up a really good point that I would like to go into for a second. I think that the also the piece that's missing is the mental mental health aspect of it. Because if you if if someone has gone through something traumatic, or maybe not even that traumatic, like there's just no denying that food is a a comfort place for a lot of people, and there is no shame in that. But if you are having some sort of emotional response to your food, food is the first thing that you turn to. Again, there's no shame, but let's get to the root cause of that and address those issues first. And then it's going to make your relationship with food a lot easier.
1: Food is 100% a coping mechanism for, for everybody. And I think that people frequently talk about emotional eating as if it is a bad thing or even a thing that can be avoided. And... I don't think it's a bad thing and I don't think it can be avoided. I think unless yeah. you are the most Spock-like individual in the world, or there's an old joke that if you tell a professional bodybuilder to eat dog poop because it will help them build muscle, they'll do it because they're just like, I eat food to, you know, or if you're an Olympic yeah, athlete, to build muscle. but for everybody else. Food is more than just fuel for us. It's how we experience life. It's how we experience joy. So, and the good news is there's no flavor. There's no like sweet, salty, bitter, umami. Like those are all available to us in healthy and empowering ways. So I think if we can simply focus on eating better and, you know, shameless plug, that is the name of the film <laughs> that we did with some top doctors at Harvard Medical School, which tries to outline exactly this. You know, this is a this is a much deeper problem than just, trying to will your way into eating less. And shame is not relevant at all here. And frankly, this isn't even about appearance. It's about your ability to have a glorious life and how you perform in that life. Eat emotionally and eat empowering foods emotionally. That's a really rich and enjoyable life to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and if we, if we were to change the focus and put it more on... Um again, to performance and feeling better in your body. so this is this has been a driving force for me and my health and it helps me and it drives my food choices because I've gotten to a place where I know the foods that make me feel really bad. and I know like if I'm consciously making that decision, I'm like, man, you know what? I'm gonna go for it, but I know I'm not gonna feel better or I'm not gonna feel good later. That's okay because there's also like making those conscious, um, decisions and knowing going into it like, okay, I'm probably not going to feel that great or whatever, but it's totally fine. I really wanted this one thing. And then I go back to it again. But to be honest, like I don't, I don't choose those foods that often anymore. And this is why I believe the education around this is so important Because if we aren't focusing on health and also just educating people on how to eat better to uh, make their performance better, then we're we're doing a disservice to people, you know? Because if we can teach people how to make these better choices to feel better in their body, you're going to automatically start going towards those healthier choices because you start recognizing like, oh, wow, when I eat these things, they make me feel better.
1: And it's a very deliberate and conscious and empowering choice rather than this moral issue because so often we we do moralize food right i'm bad because i ate a cupcake versus i didn't perform well in that meeting because i ate a cupcake now now and now you you're not good bad right or wrong what what is the data the data is i ate a cupcake and i was up all night on the toilet Do I want to do that again? Yes or no? It's, it's your choice. Right. And that's, if you, if you prefer the, uh, if you prefer smoking cigarettes to experiencing the quality of life you could have without smoking cigarettes, right? Like that's your choice. And I think that if we can just talk about performance, rather than appearance, we we can <clears throat> if we present a problem in a certain way, we, we can never make forward progress and uh, this is sort of a tangent right but if you if you tell someone like <clears throat> controversial issue, we're not going to talk about it in this podcast. I'm just giving an example abortion very controversial issue, right so if you ask someone like why do you think killing babies is okay N- nothing else, can happen, right? like the way you presented the problem will prevent any sort of forward progress or momentum. I think, and this is the big you know sort of break I've been doing this for a long time and this was like one of the most watershed moments of my entire career of doing this, until we completely abandon appearance as a benchmark, we are will not actually make meaningful progress. We have to go. We have to move to the benchmark. Is simply, does your body enable you to do what you want to do? And honestly, for some people, they're, they're, they might say, "All I want to do is sit on the couch and watch television." That is literally what I want to do with my life. But as long as you're not harming anyone else, yeah. I have no problem with you More sitting power on your to couch. You, you know, and, and no, no good, bad, right or wrong. But what does break my heart is when people that I love and care about and who people that I know want something out of their life and can't get it, and they could if they just ate different foods. Like That breaks my heart because anytime we see someone suffering and not having what they want, it doesn't matter what I want for them. It's what they want for them in their life. And they could have it, and they don't, if, if we're an empathetic person, that breaks our heart, and I think that's why we're here, because we want to say, look, if you are not getting out of your life what you want, if you're not getting out of your body what you want, there are ways to do that that are enjoyable and that are available to everybody, and I can promise you it has nothing to do with shame, it has nothing to do with starvation, and it has nothing to do with diet culture.
0: Would you like to do more but stress less? You know, one of the biggest keys to productivity is to make sure that you reduce your stress because when we're stressed out, I can speak from personal experience that if you're too stressed and too overwhelmed, you can sometimes almost become like paralyzed in your overwhelm and then you don't get anything done. This has been my story for years. I have always really struggled with focusing and then I try to overcompensate by chugging coffee and then I get hopped up on coffee and super jittery. And then I can't do anything because then I'm so stressed out. I can't focus on anything. This is actually something that James, the founder of Magic Mind and I speak about on our podcast together. So if you guys have not checked that out, I highly recommend checking out. He gives Amazing tips on how to become more productive. And one of those ways that he and I have both figured out how to become more productive is by taking Magic Mind. Magic Mind is a little matcha shot that also contains adaptogens and nootropics that all target and help with productivity and focus. There's, of course, matcha in there. So you get a little bit of caffeine, but matcha also contains L theanine, which helps to calm you down. So you get kind of a cleaner energy without all the jitters. There's also things like lion's mane mushroom, rhodiola, there's cordyceps, and there's also choline. All of these things are going to help with cognitive function and are just going to help keep you focused and balanced so that you can get through whatever tasks you have at hand. They gave me a code for you guys to use. You're going to save 20% off if you use code REALFOODOLOGY at magicmind.co. That's M-A-G-I-C-M-I-N-D.co. So I, okay, I'm trying to think of how to say this very sensitively, because I, I, I'm genuinely curious on what you have to say to this, because I I, I just want to say thank you so much for bringing such compassion to this conversation, because it's really what is needed. Because like we said before, there's a lot of emotions involved. And it's just it's a very emotional subject. And this is where it's hard, right? Because we have science intersecting with emotions, and we need to be more um, just in reality with the science of it, but we want to be compassionate about it as well. So, okay. So we don't want it to be about looks, but there is one marker about health that past a certain point, I want to be very careful and say this, that like, um, we do know the science tells us that if we have a certain percentage of body fat and more that we're carrying around, it can lead to a lot of diseases and problems. And this is something that, Um, that is going to affect your performance. If you are diabetic or um, have cardiovascular disease, whatever it is, it is going to hinder your life in some ways. And what we're trying to do is reduce that suffering and allow people to do what they want to do with their life. So how do we address that part of the issue without making it about looks? Because, again, it's not about the look of the body. It's not about being obese in the sense of how your body looks. It's about what it means and what's going on on the inside. So how would you kind of address it from that angle?
1: For me personally, I think the distinction is that, and this is going to sound weird coming from me, that if somebody doesn't, well, so it goes back to what is the definition of performance for that person, right? So let's use smoking as an example, right? At this point in time, everyone who smokes knows it's bad for them, very bad for them. They know it's going to chop decades off their life. And they say, I would rather smoke than not smoke. Now, once smoking starts to impact other people, we do have to intervene, right? That's, That's the basis of our country, right? Is if your choices start to limit the choices of other people, now we have to have a conversation. But if your choices don't harm anyone in any other way, then they are your choices. So I think like the way i approach this is <clears throat> if you, just like if someone chooses to smoke cigarettes and then they get lung cancer like i'm not going to shame them but they they're an adult they're a big boy or a big girl they chose to take actions that predispose them to getting lung cancer and then they will have a life with lung cancer. And that, is, and that is their choice. And then we could get into the political conversations about like, well, healthcare costs and blah, blah, blah. But we, we can get there if we need to. Yeah. The same thing applies here, which is, <clears throat> does, does anyone other than the individual have the right to force them to care about something they don't care about. I do think we have an obligation to inform people. Like there's a, there's a concept in medicine called informed consent. So if you think giving your children grape juice is good for them, it is our job to make sure you know that ounce for ounce grape juice has 50% more sugar than soda. So you have to have that information. You have to know that smoking's bad for you. And once you have that information, unless your choice will harm someone else, it's your choice. So I, that's how I look at it. Now, you could say, well, great, Jonathan, but the choices do have impacts on other people. So that, okay, now we have to have the real conversation, but I'll stop they talking do. now.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, and and like I said, you know, and I keep saying, because I really, um, I wanted to have this conversation because I really do care because I think what has happened in the body positivity movement is that, and again, it's because all we're doing is putting, um, the emphasis on looks, but it feels a little bit like now we're, we're, we're we're lying to women. I believe that. And it's really, it's doing a disservice to women because I am of the mind. This is how I believe you should love your body, no matter what point you are on in your journey. And that is what I love about the body positivity movement. You know, like, Learning to love your body in your skin no matter where you are in your journey, but while also at the same time, it is okay to strive to want to do better. And doing better for some people, it depends on where you are in your life and your journey and whatever it is, for some people that means losing a little bit of weight. And that is the reality of the situation. If if your end goal is performance, feeling better in your body, um, again, this is not about looks and... But I think where we kind of get caught up is that, um, you know, everyone was comparing themselves for the longest time to the like super skinny, you know, five, 10 supermodels that were all over the magazines. And that's not realistic for almost anyone. And that's okay. We should all admit that like we really messed up there and we're trying to do better. But at the same time, and, you know, and again, it's also like, my my body, I'm six feet tall. I'm naturally going to look longer than someone who's like five one. i I'm going to carry my weight differently than someone that's five one. And this is, again, what I love about the body positivity movement because we are accepting um, all shapes and sizes. Where I don't like is that I think it's gotten to this point now where we are just kind of having, for lack of a better word, like a free-for-all with no conversation on the impact of what this may have on your life and um, your your body your ability to develop disease.
1: I think making sure that we can have a objective scientific conversation about what the consequences of people's choices are is extremely important. And, and let's, let me <clears throat> use another analogy, which is uh, I believe this is still true. It was definitely true at one point in time. So if, if you want to audition for an orchestra, let's say you play the oboe and you want to audition for an orchestra, you will be asked to play a piece of music. You will play that piece of music behind a curtain so that they cannot see you while you play that piece of music. Why? Because how you look has nothing to do with whether or not you can perform on stage playing the oboe up to the orchestral standards you need to, period. So why am I giving you this analogy? Appearance. And the correlation between your ability to have the life you want is spotty at best, right? I mean, and if we really want to talk about appearance and your quality of life, but let's talk about height. Taller people have a better experience of life than shorter people. If you look at economic indicators, if you look at job hiring, blah, 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 blah. And that's discrimination. That's height discrimination. So we shouldn't have that. Skin color is your appearance. And that has a huge impact on your quality of life, right? So... I think everyone can agree that your quality of life being contingent on your appearance is not good. Right? If it's if we're not if we don't agree with judging people based on the appearance of their skin and we don't agree with judging people based on the height of their body, then judging people based on the width of their body is also not productive. It is reasonable to let someone know that if you are You know, two feet tall, it's not safe for you to ride this roller coaster. That's just a fact. It is useful to let somebody know that if you weigh 700 pounds, right? No human body was meant to weigh 700 pounds, period. If you weigh 700 pounds, the likelihood of you having the following eight diseases is 5,000% higher. But we'll never get there. Until we bypass the appearance conversation completely, because it gets stuck there. And and I, I'm like, this is why I I want the whole conversation to change. Because if the conversation even has the word appearance come up, it it devolves and it doesn't make forward progress. Because we've tried, like we've we've tried the past. We we tried for 50 years to shame people into changing their appearance. That didn't work. Now we're trying to say that whatever the body positivity movement is saying, which is inconsistent, depends on who you're asking, but it's still about appearance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> why, why don't we just say, and this is a gender, this is a gendered issue, because like. A lot of men, a lot of them, not all of them, a lot of them, the idea of them saying, I love my body sounds absurd. It's not even a consideration for them. And that is so not fair. Like that is the baseline of misogyny. Like the baseline of misogyny is that women are their looks and men are how they perform in the world. Women be pretty, men go earn money, right? i That's the baseline of patriarchy. So if anything, (laughs) the more we talk about appearance, the more we are empowering the patriarchy and the more we are suppressing women because men by and large are already evaluated based on their performance. Nobody cares about their appearance. So that's interesting.
0: Yeah, it's a great point. And I hadn't thought about it like that. And I was also thinking about this too. It's interesting that body image is always kind of a trend, right? Like look back at really old paintings and statues and the women were, you know, voluptuous and, um, had or had bigger bellies and like weight on them and stuff. And then, you know, we went through, we've gone through all these different phases basically of it. And what bothers me is that it once again, it's like, it's trendy, and it's we're talking about the shape of the body and not about health. Like health is not trendy. Health is always and should be forever be in the forefront of all of our minds. Like that should be number one. Why are we so obsessed with this image
1: and and your ability to function, right your ability to perform? I've seen it very easily go both directions. What I mean by that is, my ability to perform. So I, well, I am a very appearance conscious person, right? I was, that's, so I'm, I'm a, I am a not like the average male and that I had for a long time, very much cared about my appearance. And I like, wouldn't go on vacation because I couldn't go to the gym every day and I couldn't go out. So my, my focus on quote unquote health actually impaired my ability to perform. And I'll give a specific example of this. Now, so I'm a father now, right? I have two young, young daughters, and I also run three companies. So there's a lot of things, there's a lot of other people who depend on me, right? For their mortgages, for their well being, yada, 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 yada. If I spent four hours a day on quote unquote my health, that wouldn't actually enable optimal performance in my life. It doesn't mean I don't care about my health. It does mean there is actually there is a difference between health and performance. Ask any mother what her health is like the first year after she has a child. Mm. It's it, yeah. it's not so like again we we need to pop up a level. We and it's it's hard because it's it's like it's really there's an old saying, a fish doesn't know it's in water. Right? Women in our culture, appearance has been so and like This really means a lot to me because I have two daughters that don't yet know they're in water. One's three and one's one. So I'm like, I have the opportunity to potentially not dunk them in this pool of you are defined by your appearance. Women in our culture have never not been defined by their appearance if they're old enough to listen to and understand this podcast. So like that, like that, that is the key. That is so, even like we got to challenge every aspect of this. So, even when we say, like, your health, there are times in our lives where actually our A, my A1C levels are not always the best. But that might be because I'm doing, let me use a different analogy. A soldier fighting for their country does not put their health above everything else, right? They're actually saying, I will sacrifice my health completely to enable the health of others. So I don't even think health is the objective. I think you accomplishing what you believe you were put here to do is the objective. Like if you're religious, call that glorifying God. If you're not religious, it's your vision statement. It's your mission statement. And if your vision statement is, let's be really clear, if you're a professional model, or if you're an actress. Or if you, you know, if your objective in life does if you're a politician, you probably should care about your appearance. You're more likely to get elected if you're attractive. Fact. You can look at the data, right? So m- maybe appearance should matter for you because appearance is critical to your performance. But we just need to look at what do you want out of life? And do you have the information and tools necessary to get that? And to your point, Courtney, if my daughter grows up and she's 15 and she weighs 400 pounds and she thinks that weighing 400 pounds will give her the same experience of life that weighing what would be healthy for her to weigh would, she she needs to be educated because because it it isn't she isn't it doesn't mean she's good bad right or wrong it just means just like if she had one leg rather than two her experience of life would be different if she has 300 pounds of surplus fat on her body her experience of life will be different and her ability to perform will be different so let's talk about that
0: absolutely and what's really important here and what you just said is that we need to stop moralizing it because what it, it doesn't mean anything about the individual, you know, your weight doesn't mean anything about you. Um, the way that you eat doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't say you're good, you're bad, you're whatever. And I think that is really where we need to change this. We need to stop moralizing it. And just like you said, turn it back around onto like, how do you, how do you feel? And are you able to accomplish the things that you want to do and then, also, too, like you just said, it it comes down to education because i I will argue that I don't care if you are training to be an athlete or if you are i don't know, like let's say for me, for example, like as a podcaster, yeah, I could be four hundred pounds and be sitting here podcasting and be um, you know, existing and living. but like i don't I don't want to live that way, you know, because when you when you're able to reduce the body fat that you're carrying around, everything in your life improves, and that is just a fact. That is not—I—I um, I, I want to be truthful with people. With people, and that's a fact. You get sick less. Your chronic pain goes away. Um, you know, people that are carrying extra body fat tend to have like arthritis and all sorts of other chronic pain. You have energy to do the things that you want to do. You are in a better mood. You have a better sex life, better digestion, better bowel movements. Like I could go on and on and on and on. And this is again, where I believe that we are doing a disservice because we are not being honest. And when we're not being honest, we're lying to people. And I think if we want to actually be compassionate, we really care. You don't lie to the people that you care about. And if we really want to bring compassion um, and care back to this, we need to be honest and truthful, and we can do it in a compassionate way. And again, it doesn't mean anything about you as an individual. That is not what this is about. This is about helping everyone get to a place where they can live an amazing life and feel good.
1: 100%. And, and let's, let's, let me use an analogy that I think will really drive that home.
0: I love your analogies. Thank you. <laughs> so they're great. I I was worried cuz of sleep
1: deprivation with the two little ones, my analogy game has gone da- down a little bit. But
0: <laughs> no, they're great. They're
1: good. So, so you you just mentioned body fat. Let's talk about muscle on your body, right? So I think most people would would agree and there's no like moralism here is having strong muscles more advantage like will your experience of life be better with strong muscles? then it would be with really weak muscles. I don't mean like bodybuilder muscles. I mean muscles that work. So think of someone who has like muscular dystrophy or someone who has a disorder which prevents their muscles from working. Or imagine you're just a full grown adult, but you have the strength of a three-year-old child, right? You can't open doors. You can't do those types of things. First of all, we would really have compassion for that person. We would say really? this person's muscles don't function, they can't really get around in the world. What can we do as a culture and as individuals to create a society that will empower that individual to have muscles that are strong enough to enable them to live the life that they that they want to live. Similarly, if you and sim- like let's think about Tumors, little growths on the body. If you had a 20 pound tumor or a 100 pound tumor growing on your back, I think everyone would agree that your experience of life would be better, that you would have more opportunities, that you would be able to help others more if you didn't have a 100 pound tumor growing on your back. You're not good, bad, right or wrong. It just will make life more challenging for you. Life's hard enough. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, <laughs> so if there are things
0: lost two years.
1: <laughs> so if there are things we can do <laughs> to not make our lives unnecessarily harder, we should absolutely do them. And having mass on your body, 24 7, 365, that serves no advantageous purpose. Just like if you were to, to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear a 100-pound weight vest around just for the rest of my life, just for fun. People might be like, what, really? Are you sure you want to wear a 100-pound weight vest around for the rest of your life? Like that, I mean, if you want to build up really strong leg muscles, maybe that's a cool thing. All good, I don't know. But like, just again, taking a step back, like you said, we're just going to look at your body as a beautiful vehicle. It's a gift that's been given to you. And let's make sure, that you're able to get all the benefits that gift has to offer. let's let's make sure it performs as you deserve,
0: and as you were just saying all this, I was thinking about, you know, what the real issue is, and we don't have to go like deep into this, but the problem is fat phobia. It's not like this body positivity um thing. like we're we're so focused on that. And, like I said, we've been moralizing it so much that that's where this needs to change and we need to not make it a moral issue. It's similar to um, on the other podcast that we talked about this where you were saying, um, you know, we would never shame someone for having cancer. We would have compassion and be like, this is horrible. You're going through this horrible disease. We want to support you. We want to help you get through this. We want to help you, you know, give you all the tools that you need in order to um, be able to fight that off. And we need to be treating obesity with the same kind of compassion because it is it is a definite defined disease and again that does not mean anything about you you're not good bad right or wrong it just means that this is something that we want to tackle so that you can feel better so let's tackle it let's get to the bottom of it
1: I agree with you and <laughs> so here's my love and. It. here's here's it. my hand yeah. uh I I a dear friend of my mother recently just, died from cancer and she she decided to not do a second round of chemotherapy like she just decided to say look the treatment for me the the cure is worse than the disease or whatever you know the the saying is so uh is obesity a disease as characterized by the american medical association it 100 is 100 that's just a fact they define it as a disease right just like diabetes is defined as a disease Anyone I know and love that has type 2 diabetes or the, 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 the one you're not born with, I would love if they could experience life without type 2 diabetes. I, I would love if they could. Anyone in my life who has cancer, I would love if they could experience life without cancer. Anyone in my life who has a disease of obesity, I would love if they could experience life with obesity. Based on my spiritual beliefs, I only, I only think we get one shot at this. This is the only life we get. We don't get to do it over. So I want it, I want you to be able to get as much out of it as you possibly can. And that's why compassion is so important. And that's why we really need to delineate the disease of obesity from not having a six-pack. They're very, very, very different things. And I think my mother is actually, you know, she taught me a lot here because <clears throat> my mother clinically is overweight. Like if you look at her BMI measurement, measurements, she's overweight. This woman has so much freaking energy. Like she, I'm like, mom, you got to slow down. Like she's, I don't know, she's like 75. We can't keep up with her. She always wants to do stuff. We're just, she, it's exhausting because she has so much energy. She's like, <laughs> Jonathan, my body, amazing. I may be overweight. I'm not clinically obese. I may be overweight, but I'm able to do every freaking thing I want in my life. And that's beautiful. And that's great. And we just have to be very clear that Clinical obesity is a disease that will significantly compromise your ability to perform and get the most out of life. It's a fact. It's just that that's a fact. It says nothing about you as a person. It's a fact and it should be treated and it should be be treated with compassion and nobody should be evaluated based on their appearance, period, good, bad, right, or wrong. Like I don't want my daughter's posting pictures, selfies of themselves in bathing suits at any point in time for any reason, because that's like when I, and I, I would just get a little mushy. I'll try not to cry. Right? So as a father, when I look at my daughters, I don't even see their bodies. Like I literally don't. You, I, if It's hard to use words because this is like an animal part of your brain, not the part of your brain that creates words. But when I look at my daughters, I see something else, like spirit. I don't even know how to put it into words, right? They could be, they could turn purple. It wouldn't, like, I see you, Avia. I see you, Kira. I don't even see your body. It's so irrelevant to me. Even my wife, we've been together for 15 years. She could literally... You know, our house could catch on fire. She, every aspect of her body could get burned. She could look like Freddy Krueger on his worst day. And that wouldn't change. I mean, I, I would I would objectively be less physically attracted to her. But my experience of Angela, like the the reason I married her, the reason I committed my life to her, the reason I've enjoyed 15 years with her and hope to enjoy another 100 with her has nothing to do with her appearance. her appearance did matter to me originally, you know you know getting with her, but like let's go deeper like let's think about this like think of yourself through the eyes of someone who loves you and 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 try to treat yourself that way. treat yourself as an as a being who is deserving of unconditional love. And not an object that is to be judged based on the visual perceptions of others. Does that make sense? That was like a lot of word salad. I don't know. Word
0: salad. (laughs) I mean, that was amazing. I'm almost speechless. (laughs) Just because I, I think, well, one, that was so beautiful. And. I agree with you, you know. I mean, like you said, looks and appearance can only get you so far. You know, it's it's obviously the way you present yourself in the world and it's what people first see. But very similarly to what you said, I feel the same way about everyone in my life that I love and care about. I don't notice. A girlfriend will say to me like, "Oh my god, I'm feeling, you know, like I've gained like 10 pounds and I feel so fat or whatever." And I'm like, "I don't even see like I don't even see you as your body and, you know, look at you objectively like that and and that's such an important thing for i think all of us to remember that at the end of the day it's it, it it's so appearance is so fleeting and think about we age and we will probably gain weight over time as we get older just cuz that naturally happens as our metabolism slow down but but that doesn't matter because what really matters is what is on the inside you know and this is why we need to stop focusing so much on appearance and we know this to be True in our own lives, but then we still somehow get caught up in this like media shitstorm of images and you know everyone's bodies, and it, it's just it, yeah, it's overwhelming and it's hard to not to pay attention to it.
1: And it's when you go like super 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 deep. I I, I sorry to keep bringing back like misogyny and the patriarchy, but no, I love it. Yeah, a, as a man, I feel like I can speak as a man. <laughs> so, I've lived yeah. my entire life as a man. And what's interesting is this sort of world, this, what might seem like a fictional world in which you're not judged primarily based on your appearance is not a fictional world. It is, my understanding is like when heterosexual women look at heterosexual men, they notice how they look, but. It's not the primary determinant of whether or not they sort of interact or hire or engage with that man. Like it is politic. When, when a man runs for president, there are zero articles about what he wears.
0: (laughs) That is true. Zero. I I will say though, initially, I would say that I found for me and my girlfriends, initially- you do notice looks like very first, if you're just like looking across the bar kind of situation, you know, but my girlfriends and I talk about this a lot that um, oftentimes what will happen is you may not be initially that attracted to that person, but the second you have a conversation with them and their personality comes out, you're like, oh my God, he's the hottest guy in the room to me because of his personality.
1: Because of your experience of him, because of his performance, his ability to engage with you. So this is why like... up. we, we have eyeballs. So until we, as a species, no longer have eyeballs, appearance is a thing, right? right. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, and we're never going to be able to talk our way out of that one. Just what,
1: just 100%. The question yeah. is, is it your defining characteristic or not? Is it the thing that we should be continuously talking about? Is it the thing that we should be focused on? To me, it's like the old, don't judge a book by its cover, You don't want the book cover to be nonsense. Like that ain't going to help. That's not going to help book sales. Like it's just not, you know, if you want people to read the book, having a cover that is the best cover that we can have is a good thing because then hopefully the cover will not stand in the way of anyone reading the book. Good. But you know what? Any book review I've ever read in my life doesn't talk about the cover of the book talks yeah. about the contents of the book i would be curious if we could create a world like that frankly a world which is a little bit more reflective of the way that heterosexual women look at heterosexual men this is this in some ways is men men's fault a little bit right we're very visual creatures we do we're we're, we're more prone to make appearance a, a higher criteria but i do think we're getting better. <laughs> I think yeah. I think that if you compare the average man today versus the average man in the 50s, we're we're less bad. I won't say we're good, I'll say we're less bad. And I think that women can help us get even better by by at least taking 51% of the population and uniting in saying we will not judge each other. <laughs> primarily based on our appearance. We will hold ourselves to the same standard that men hold each other to, which is performance. Because we do, like, I do think, here's where I'll put my foot down. We were put here for a reason. This life is a freaking gift. This world has a shitload of problems that we need to fix. So we need to perform. We have a moral obligation to make this world a better place than we found it. And if you can't perform, you can't do that. And your appearance has very little to do with your ability to do that. So let's, you know, men already have sort of given an example of the way they judge each other, often cases, is based on performance. What if we could create a world in which not just 49% of the population, but 100% of the population Because We're also judging creatures. We'll never have a world where you don't judge each other. That's human nature. That's like saying we have a world where you don't breathe. We are judging creatures. We will always judge. But why not judge based on that which actually matters, which is your ability to have a positive impact on this world or not?
0: Yeah. Wow. I love that. Well, guys, it is officially that time of year, cold and flu season, and we need to be looking out for our immune systems. And one of the ways that I do that is I take immunity from Organifi. What I love so much about this product is that it's just kind of a one and done immunity, like all encompassing everything that you would want for your immune system. It's whole food, vitamin C, it has zinc and beta glucans. It's an immune blend of orange juice. And by the way, everything is organic. By the way, it also has acerola, which is also very high in vitamin C turmeric. There's beta-glucan from reishi mushroom. There's also olive leaf extract, which is very powerful for the immune system. Ginger, zinc, and vitamin D, which is also another amazing hormone. Yes, vitamin D is actually a hormone that helps to boost immunity. You actually get 500% of your daily value of vitamin C from just this one drink. Not to mention it tastes really good. You can drink it on its own. You can also add it to a smoothie kind of add it to whatever drink you want. Sometimes I like to add it to sparkling water and I kind of have this like orange delicious sparkling water that only has two grams of sugar. It's also organic as with everything with Organifi, organic glyphosate residue free, which means that there is no carcinogenic glyphosate in here. It's also non-GMO project verified. If immunity boosting is not really your thing, which I don't know if it's like a thing to be had or not, but if you're not really interested in that, Organifi has an amazing lineup of products that I highly recommend that you go and check out. I drink their green and red juice every single morning. I also love their gold pumpkin spice. It's really good in a pumpkin spice latte in the morning. They also have a regular gold that is more of a vanilla flavor if pumpkin spice is not your jam. And then they have Harmony, which is really great for balancing hormones. And then Pure is another one of my favorites. It just tastes like lemonade, and it's great for focusing in the morning. So if you have a really crazy work day, it's great to drink in the morning, and it really helps you to stay focused on all your tasks at hand. Make sure you go to Organifi.com slash RealFoodology. That's organif dot com slash RealFoodology. You're going to save 20%. You can also just go directly to their website, Organifi.com, and put in the code Real Foodology and you are gonna save money. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a little bit of a bomb in here because I think this is also a part of the conversation that we are quote unquote not allowed to talk about anymore. There is no what what I another thing I don't like about the po- body positivity movement is that um we're no longer allowed to say that we like feeling fit and feeling good in our bodies. And I I want to take that back a little bit because I believe that there is a world in which we can have everything that we have talked about, where appearance is not everything and we should not be focusing on appearance. Health should be the focus and your performance should be the focus. But also, I do believe that it should be okay to say, you know what? I work really hard. I exercise every day. I really prioritize my health. I prioritize my sleep. I prioritize my eating and I like the way that I look and I like the way that I feel. and I believe that it's okay to say that and also have everything else that we have said.
1: oh, I agree completely if you're like I think that gets back to one thing we said earlier, which is like if if that which is if performance to you is having six pack abs. like if you want that just like if some people love to paint, like if I love to paint and I want to post a picture of my painting on social media. F off if you have a problem with that. I can post a picture of my (laughs) painting on social media, right? And if people see me in public and all I do is post pictures of my paintings, they will probably define me by my ability to paint. So let's just keep that in mind. But yes, I mean, saying that someone can't, like I, I made the earlier statement, I hope my daughters never post pictures of themselves in bikinis online. I don't. Because I do know they live in a world, which right now does judge women based on appearance. And the more they focus on their own appearance, the more people will focus on their appearance. And if they decide to be fitness models, and that is how they provide for their families, then I would highly encourage them to post pictures of themselves in bikinis on the internet, because that is their purpose. And they need to understand the consequences of doing so. People will judge them. I I hope people judge me on my ability to raise my girls. I hope people judge me based on my ability to accomplish my business goals, because that is why I'm here. So just that I would say yes. And also understand just the impact that will have on other people's perception of you.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Actually. I didn't even think about it from that perspective. And I love that perspective. And, you know, I, This is going. This is deterring a little bit, but I did want to make sure to say this because, um, you know, a lot of the reason that we are in this situation right now, and yeah, the reason we're here is not anyone's fault. And this goes back to you know, kind of not moralizing it or placing blame on everyone. And I really like to bring this up because our food palates have been hijacked. We have a broken food system that is not serving us. And we have made it very confusing on what it truly means to be healthy in this country. And we've made it really confusing what to eat, how to eat, what is actually healthy, what's not healthy. And what I have found that's so amazing about focusing on my health and feeling good in my body is that everything else has fallen into line after that. My performance got better. I felt better in my body. I'm very happy with the way that I look and I'm proud to say that. But you know what? It wasn't a focus on my body. It was a focus on providing my body with nutritious foods that I know will serve me and will feed my cells, that will feed my performance, feed my energy, getting sleep that will also help with all of that and prioritizing these things and again, this is where I believe that the education piece comes into it. And we need to be able to have those conversations, no matter how hard they are, because if we're not doing that, we're it's it's a disservice to people. And we're lying to them, like I said. And,
1: and it makes this so much simpler because I get questions every day, right? Like, is veganism good or bad? Is paleo good or bad? Is keto good or bad? Is gluten good or bad? I My answer, have you... Do it. We tried it. Does it yeah. further your ability? Like, if you perform better doing that, keep, I mean, this, this is the most sort of obvious statement one could make, but sometimes obvious statements don't stick in our heads. So it's like, if you do something and it takes you further to your, if it, if it moves you towards your goals, keep doing it. If it moves you further away from your goals, stop doing it. And the question is then just, what are your goals? So when we focus on performance rather than appearance, this whole like good, bad, right, wrong, blah, 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 blah. Look, there are some people like this is, it is what it is. 90% of people who smoke don't get lung cancer. Most people don't know that. Most people think smoking causes lung cancer. So if that was literally true, right? Jumping in a pool of water causes you to get wet. That means 100% of people who jump into a pool of water will get wet. That's the definition of causality. So smoking doesn't cause lung cancer. If smoking caused lung cancer, everyone who smoked would get lung cancer. 90% of people who smoke do not get lung cancer. Smoking greatly increases your risk of getting lung cancer. Why am I saying all these things? Everybody's got that anecdote. Of their friend who you know drinks Mountain Dew and eats potato chips and it doesn't have any negative impact on them and they're fine and their performance is well, great. Well, they're, they're fine now, right. but yeah they're, yeah, they're fine now. Or or they're Warren Buffett and they continue <laughs> to be fine. Uh, somehow, I don't know. Most successful investor of all time eats like garbage and he's a hundred years old. But I would love to see that blood work because I have to say,
0: <laughs> but continue, yes.
1: <laughs> like his investments could be even better if oh, I actually right? think no, but that's no, but that is the key point, right? Just because it doesn't hurt you, doesn't mean you couldn't be even higher performance, right? But long story short, the point of all of that is when by focusing on performance rather than appearance, one, you become the arbiter, right? Because appearance is subjective. I don't care how beautiful you are. Someone's going to think you're not beautiful because it's completely subjective there. You can't win. You can win in the performance game, did I do today what I wanted to do? Yes or no? That is completely about me. I am the only judge. I am the only evaluator. All I'm fully empowered.
0: Yeah. And then I would take it a step further and say, on those days where you're like, man, I didn't perform as well as I wanted to, practice compassion and kindness with yourself and say, you know what? We didn't do that great today, but that's okay. It doesn't mean anything about me. It just means tomorrow I'm going to do better. I'm going to, I don't know, get more sleep, whatever it is, you know, and that's, that's also what helps us improve in our life is constantly doing these reevaluations where we're like, okay, you know what? That actually didn't really serve me. So like, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to try doing this over here and see if I can, you know, perform better and do better. I mean, it's similar to how I was, I'm, I have had, a, I'm notorious for having a horrible sleeping schedule and it's, I blame it on my traveling for all the years that I worked as a, tra- I worked with traveling musicians. And so my sleep schedule was just all over the place. And you know what? I When I finally quit that job, I was still all over the place because I was trying to recalibrate, and it was not serving me. I was going to bed at like 2 a.m., and even if I was sleeping till 9 or 10 and getting those eight hours of sleep, it is not the same feeling as when I go to bed at like 10 p.m. and I get up at 7. And I had to make that choice, and, and I didn't moralize it. I didn't say, this makes me a bad person because I'm going to bed at 2 a.m., I just started being like, you know what, this just doesn't make me feel good. So I'm going to reevaluate this. What are the things that I can do that make me feel better and be kind with myself on the nights that like I messed up and I went to bed at 2 a.m. It's all about practicing kindness and compassion with yourself while also being like, I'm going to strive to do better tomorrow. That's how we better ourselves. That's how we grow.
1: And I love that striving to do better because anyone who's had the privilege, and it is a privilege, especially in today's world, of playing sports or playing an instrument at like a high level. Anything where there's like a true, like the way we would traditionally define performance, let's let's use uh, American football as an example. So even if you're not super familiar with American football, most people know what a quarterback is. The quarterback is the person who throws the ball. And if you throw the ball to the wrong team, it's called an interception. That's not a good thing. Uh, The worst thing that can happen, you know, if if you're a quarterback and you throw the ball in the game of American football and there's an interception is you don't want that bad play to affect the rest of the game. That's the word like the, the, the keystone of a good performer is one, they know they're not going to perform optimally all the time. That's impossible, right? There, yeah. For there to be good days, there has to be bad days. Light only exists because of darkness. So it's inevitable. It's going to happen, period. And your success is enabled by your ability to learn from it and get better because of it, not to dwell on it or shame yourself because of it.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's so important. So before we wrap this up, is there anything that we haven't talked about or addressed that you feel is really important to this conversation?
1: I think at the end of the day, it's a simple question that I would encourage everybody to ask themselves, which is, does your body enable you to do everything you want to do? Yeah. And if it does, F and high five, like, that's awesome. Good. Please go help other people achieve the same thing. If it doesn't, let's you deserve better. Period.
0: Oh God, I love that so much. It's such a great way to end. And I know I asked you this last time, but I want to ask you again in case if you have added anything. Um, do you have any new health non-negotiables that you do every day or maybe every week to just better your health and better your performance?
1: Uh, my daily meditation practice, even if it's only for ten or fifteen minutes, has become way more important. At the time of this recording, we are attempting to sell our house, and there's been a whole like rigmarole involved with that, and it's been extremely, extremely stressful with two young children and and such. And I have found, right, you know, this is not healthy. Um, there's only so much caffeine you can drink in a day, and but I have found that there is no amount of caffeine in the world that. If I'm able to just, I put on my eye masks, I put on my, I put on earplugs and then I put on noise canceling headphones and I literally just like sensory deprive for just 10 minutes. My experience of the rest of the day, like it, it is literally a miracle pill. So that, that's, that's been my experience.
0: Wow. That's great advice. I'm going to start trying to do that. Thank you. So for everyone listening, where can they find you?
1: Uh, please go to bettermovie.com. That is the movie about better. It's that's that's a movie that really embodies a lot of what we talked about today. We recorded it on location uh, at Harvard medical school, uh, a great, a great film, just the truly it's not, it's not like an infomercial. It's an actual movie. So bettermovie.com. And then if you want to learn more about me, it's just dot Hey guys, Drake Peterson here, Courtney's producer. Jonathan and Courtney had a great little conversation that happened after the interview was over, and I really wanted you to listen to it. So I'm going to pop it in right here before the show's over. Thanks for listening. <clears throat> so it was, it was earlier this week, my three-year-old daughter, Avia, uh, said, Daddy, I want to do cuddles. I said, awesome, before she goes to bed, right? So she gets in the bed with me, and we're laying literally like one inch in between our noses and just looking into each other's eyes. And I don't, for me, this is in and of itself an interesting thing it's very hard to stare into another person's eyes for a sustained period of time. It is easy as hell for me to stare into my daughter's eyes. So that's just sort of an interesting thing to begin with. Maybe it's because I don't know extension of me, but anyway, so I'm staring in her eyes, this beautiful little girl. And she says, daddy, I see you. I literally like just, I know she didn't mean it, The way that I took it, but I just, just, and then she's like, and then she didn't even, then here's what's even like little tiny Buddha next to me. So I'm, I'm now just tears or I'm like, (laughs)
0: like
1: sloppy crying, trying to hold it in because my daughter is this close to my face, but I can't control the tears. And she just says, daddy, I see you. Again, Like, she didn't say, Daddy, it's okay. Why are you crying? Daddy, don't be sad. She literally just held space and repeated herself. And, I mean, this whole time we've been talking about appearance, 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 appearance. You never truly see somebody if you're looking at their appearance. Ever. Ever. And that's like, in that moment, it was amazing because I... I, I get so passionate about this because like, if you can, if it were possible for people to see each other the way that in that moment, I saw my daughter and my daughter saw me, like we would have no that's heaven on earth on some level. know. Yeah.
0: And you said something you said, I don't think she meant it the way that I took it, but I don't agree. Kids are a lot smarter and a lot more aware than we give them credit for. So I think she really meant it. I think she meant that she really saw you, which is really beautiful. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I I will ask her when she gets home from uh, daycare today.
0: (laughs) Like, did you really
1: mean what you said when you saw daddy the other day? And then she'll say, I'm hungry. And I'll be like, okay, well, this conversation isn't going anywhere. I'm just kidding.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Real Foodology Podcast. If you liked this episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let me know. This is a resident media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Chris McCone. The theme song is called Heaven by the amazing singer Georgie, spelled with a J. Love you guys so much. See you next week. The content of this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical and mental health advice and doesn't constitute a provider-patient relationship. I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. As always, talk to your doctor or your health team first.